This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Activated by contract termination. Rumors of our demise are greatly exaggerated. Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. She's blessed to be a Bible reading, gun toting, Air Force veteran, wife, and mom. Righteously American. Welcome to the program. StacyOnTheRight.com and FamilyVisionMedia.org are the websites you can go to to find out more about what we're doing. And uh, on today's show, we're going to delve into what has been a very difficult week for us as Americans with last week's protests at the Capitol that um, you had over a million people there and 75 or so of them decided to really lose their minds and get into some violence. And then since then, we've seen a narrative emerge that this is all of Trump supporters, which completely goes against the history that we've seen. Uh, We've seen protest after protest after protest, nine months worth of protesting and rioting. And that was Democrats, liberals, uh, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, anarchists, all lighting American cities on fire while Americans condemned it and watched in horror from, I think, both sides of the aisle. But on the mainstream media side and from Democratic leadership, there really wasn't anything that was said. And so uh, that that really made me feel as if we were living in double standard land. And that has been exasperated by what we've seen just recently. We we now have a narrative that all Trump supporters need to be prevented from, I don't know, flying on planes and doing little things that we like to do, like, um, you know, uh, having MAGA rallies. So it's with that that we're going to welcome our next guest to the program. We have Lutheran Hour Speaker Reverend Dr. Gregory P. Seltz. He is actually the executive director of the Synod's new Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty, and that's based out of Washington, D.C. He's also the host of Through the Fire with his wife, Marie Seltz, Dr. Marie Seltz, um, which is hosted on Family Vision Media. So, uh, Pastor Greg, thank you for joining us today. Oh, Stacey, it's great to be here with you, as always. You know, I'm excited to talk to you because you have your own personal story um, that is from you actually writing an excellent piece here. You've written this. It's called A Prayerful Thought. Vigilante Violence Always Betrays the Cause. Prayer and Faithfulness Fortifies the Cause. And this came out on Friday, January 8th of 2021. And you start out with this quote from Martin Luther. It says, rebellion is not simply vile murder but is like a great fire that kindles and devastates a country. It fills the land with murder and bloodshed, makes widows and orphans, and destroys everything. Like the greatest calamity, there is nothing more poisonous, pernicious, and devilish than a rebellious man. And he wrote this in Reactions to Peasant Rebellions in 1525. So you wrote this, and then what happened? Well, I wrote this because, you know, Luther sometimes gets accused of only taking one side of the issue, but he spoke out against the magistrates. He actually was sympathetic to the peasants' cause, but what he wasn't sympathetic to was the abuse then that they started ravaging the countryside, murdering and ravaging and burning things. And so that's his quote. And so I was just trying to point out this biblical notion that, you know, uh, vigilante violence, never, it always betrays the cause. So if you're looking at whether your cause is just or not just, there comes a point where if you're talking about vigilante violence, if it van- advances the cause, then you have to look at your cause. But if, it, if it's something that actually diminishes or delegitimates the cause, then maybe the cause is still righteous, but the actions weren't. And I think we saw that last week. So we saw that the actions were not befitting the actual uh, cause that was there that day on January 6th. 
But again, there's no differentiating of these things at all. And there's no wisdom being applied to these things. And like you said, now they're looking at us. They actually, when I tried to actually post this on Facebook, I think my friends were able to see it. I tried to boost that post. And I think I wrote a pretty balanced piece, a very conciliatory piece for all of us concerned. And it was rejected. So, you know, you're looking and saying, wait a minute, I'm, I, I think I'm writing something that's in the mainstream of, of Christianity, and, and this is now not acceptable either. And it really was denouncing the violence that happened, but it was also putting it, in a, I think, in a proper context of how we Christians should look at all these things. So really interesting stuff when you start to say, wait a minute, I, you know, there was nothing inflammatory. This is actually trying to be conciliatory, and even that was not uh, accepted. So... That's what happened. And I thought, wow, I wonder where we are at this moment then. Well, I can tell you where we are. We're watching as uh, since the violence uh, in in at the protests and at the after the rally, because the violence was not actually at the rally. The violence right. was at the Capitol building. The rally was mm-hmm. completely peaceful. Over a million people, um, just under 80 people were the ones who committed acts of violence and they were anarchists, Antifa members and some supporters of the president. Um, I'm going to have the link to this in our show notes here so that people can read what you've written. Cause I think it's important. I want to highlight one more thing before we turn to the president being banned from social media. Mm-hmm. You talk about what's needed now more than ever. And you say prayer and faithfulness to God, coupled with service to neighbor and to country and that right. Christians have a civic and missional opportunity and duty to fulfill on God's terms, right. for the sake of others, right, and uh, absolutely, and, and see that's the problem is that this stuff is now being used as cover to say God's terms are also being cast out too. You know, look, what happened was we, that none of us wanted those things to happen, and that shows again that our cause, our cause, is not advanced by any of this violence. But the reality is, is that now everything is being delegitimated. I use that word a lot where it's like, no, we don't even want to listen to your arguments. We don't even want to listen to your platform because we've already said it doesn't belong here. And then you ask, well, why doesn't it belong here? Because of those 80 people. Well, no, the cause can still be just even if the actions there were unjust. So again, you know, you look at this kind of thing and you say, what what is needed now is Christians, hey, do we really care about our culture? Do we really care uh, not just about our church, but actually about our very culture because God's the one who orders culture and preserves it, not us. And so if we see that the culture is actually going over the cliff of civility and justice and all those kinds of things, because they're denouncing the things even of God, well, what should we do? Well, if you love your neighbor, you do what God asks you to do for them. And you do it with the spirit of, you know, regardless of political affiliation, we've got to recreate those bonds that we once had that exist outside of politics. I don't know about you, Pastor Greg, but I, I feel like politics has taken over everything. And, and as someone who, obviously, I speak about politics, I, it's my job. Mm-hmm. But I right. used to feel as if there was a unplugging, where I could literally unplug from politics and go out into the rest of my life. I called it the rest right. of my life. <laughs> now it's pretty well, much everywhere. Well, see, this is what I'm saying. You know, we talk about we have a, a piece that I posted called differentiation of church and state, a Christian idea, who knew? You know, so the point is, is that Jesus actually says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what is God's. He differentiates the temporal things that you got to do, but they're not going to be eternal and the eternal things, but they're all part of our regular life. And so Christians have always differentiated the stuff we got to do just to kind of get along. But the big questions of how do we love and care for each other, those are much bigger. And those are never going to be political uh, solutions and political answers. Well, there's a group that's politicizing everything and we're not it. 
And so, again, when people say, well, why are you politicizing the issue? We're saying we're not. We're trying to differentiate this necessary thing that has to be talked about, government, from the actual living of our lives for the sake of our neighbors and our community. And those are two different things in our way of thinking. And that separation or differentiation of church and state used to honor that. And it used to make the the stuff of the rest of your life the most important thing and the government the least important thing. And it really is just a tool. I actually posted that and I was like, okay, I wonder if this will resonate. And it has a little bit, but with everything that's going on on social media, it's hard to tell if you're getting the reaction that you normally would. Um, So I let's, let's, let's turn to it now. I'm, I am actually shocked that the leader of the free world, the supposedly most powerful man in the entire world, has been kicked off of all social media and had his email services uh, eliminated. So he can't communicate with people who, uh, you know, millions of people on his email list and then 88 million people on Twitter. Uh, Twitter stock tumbled by 10 percent, which represents two and a half billion dollars of valuation on the news that they had banned the president. But no other repercussions can be found. Congress, members of Congress, no one, no one is saying, uh, "Sorry, Section Two Thirty means you're a platform. You can't do this." And remember, there was a court case, Greg, that showed uh, they they actually sued the president for being blocked by him from his at real Donald Trump uh, Twitter account, not the at POTUS, but the at real Donald Trump. And they said because he uses it to communicate with Americans, it is a public platform and it's a part of his government work. Therefore, he can't block people from it. Well, now he's been blocked from it. How is that lawful? <laughs> well, it isn't. And. How is it lawful for someone to say uh, deplatform him and not say it to re- through representatives and have it go through Congress, but just say it to the heads of these uh, tech companies and they just do it? And as long as uh, they've got support and money, they do it. Uh, that's I'm with you on this. The Section 230, these guys, if they're functioning as utilities, then they, they need to be held accountable as utilities. Absolutely. And so, they're editing us all over the place. They are. They are. You can't boost a post, a Christian based post, which nonviolent points to the word of God as the authority on why we should be nonviolent. Um, but I, I think that's a part of the problem, isn't it? The it is. authority that they want to be the authority. They want us to point to them as the reason why we're not not violent, not Jesus Christ and the practice right. of, of Christianity. Well, yeah, we're all Voltaire now. You know, when you think about the French Revolution and what Voltaire did, at a certain point, he had to humiliate the church. Mussolini almost took over Israel, but he couldn't take over the church. I always say, can you imagine what Mussolini and Mao would have been able to do with Facebook and Twitter uh, if they controlled it? And you just get to a point where the church stands in the way of a lot of these things. And our founding fathers did understand that the church, religious liberty and freedom of speech, were foundational to your individual liberty. If you lose those, you will no longer be a person who has value as an individual before the law. And we're starting to see that play out. If they've got the power and they've got the resources and they've got the ability to do it and they can't be stopped even by the president or the Congress of the United States, well, if they can shut him up, they can shut you up very easily as well. And that should scare all people. It really should. So what is the proper response? Because I'm seeing a lot of things, Pastor Grego, and I I truly believe that there is... It's only a matter of time before the kind of violence that permeates the left ekes into segments of other parts of our society because individuals are being treated in ways that are unconstitutional and they feel they have no recourse. So the key for us is to find a recourse so that we can prevent this from becoming something 
that happens more frequently because we don't we don't believe in violence. We don't believe in what happened. It's not this is not us. So what should we be doing? I mean, I know we run to the Lord. He's our high tower. That's Proverbs 1810. But what do we do in the practical matters of just living every day, understanding that censorship is coming. It's here. Well, one of the things that I, I, I first say is take people at their word. There's, there comes a point where, where Christians have to learn how to fight when, when God's preserving uh, engagement of the world is, is under siege. You know, so if someone says the family isn't unique and, you know, m- moms and dads are not part of the created order, you got you to fight to just keep that legal and keep those kind of things differentiated. But you also need to take uh, people's words seriously. When some of the leaders of the left have even said the church, uh, Robert Rice said this: the church is actually more dangerous than than uh, what did he say? What was the exact wording he said? Terrorists might disrupt our life, but they're not the greatest enemy we face. I think that was his exact quote. And he was talking about the church, people who believe in the Bible, people who believe that these things are authoritative in our life. Well, those are insin- those are inciting words. You know, and I pointed out in my piece that we actually had, you know, congressmen, they tried to shoot congressmen, an activist who hated the GOP because he thought that they were uh, not worthy of our leadership. You know, we're we're seeing that kind of stuff in sight. And I think we need to take those words and say, you can't say that kind of incendiary language. That is insightful. And we need to fight that language back in its proper place so that we have the freedom to be ourselves in the public square without fear. And that's a battle that's that's already here. Um, so again, we're still going to try to fight that legally. Uh, and then the other thing is we got to find the, the stuff we're talking about really is good for everybody. It's not just good for us. If God actually orders the world the way he orders the world, if God actually, there's moral ordering to the world. I think C.S. Lewis said it this way. You can't have a fundamental uh, moral law any more than you can have a different fundamental moral color, uh, fundamental color in the world. So there is a sense where we're still created by God and there's certain blessings to that. But there's also moral direction to that as well. We've got to learn how to uh, speak about that as, as, as those who realize it's good for all of us, and we have to learn how to start, try to say it that way. And I think as we get involved in this kind of thing, our voice is going to become clearly differentiated from others. And I think that's going to be an opportunity when our culture actually aspires to the truth or it doesn't. Well, we have every opportunity to make uh the difference here, not only yeah. by condemning the violence, but by reengaging with our neighbors and becoming more Christ-like in our interactions with people, we have to rely on him and understand that he didn't, uh, you know, come from around the back of Pluto the other day when there was violence at the <laughs> Capitol. And, you know, he wasn't in a state of shock at that. He is sovereign. He already knows what's going to happen. And he has prepared the way for us. He goes before us to prepare the way. Right, um, Pastor Greg, what happens when you take a group of people, whether they are 5 million strong or 75 million strong, and you push them out of public life, you push them out of society, do they just disappear? Do they suddenly change their minds and relent and join your cause? Or do they begin an underground movement? What what happens? Well, yeah, it's obviously an underground movement. But it, again, it also depends on if you're actually trying to squelch the truth. And I, I mentioned Voltaire again, when he he, he definitely wanted to secularize the revolution. Um, it, you know, you can silence people for a time, but you can never keep the truth down. And so when Jesus said, if you, you know, abide in my word, you'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. Well, if you suppress the truth or you suppress even people's opinions about a lot of these discussions, 
you, you don't. That's not how you arrive at truth. Truth, truth is something that calls us to itself. It's not something we can manipulate, uh, destroy, or mute. And so, if you try to do that with it, you're going to find out that truth is always going to be bigger uh, than these kind of things. We saw that, like I said, we saw that what happened in the French Revolution. They didn't. They actually thought they had had driven these things out. And in reality, all they did is showed who they were, uh, which were people that were not worth following. What's funny about that is um, in today's era, we have the Internet and it's hugely decentralized. So while we have a lot of tech monopolies here in America, they only exist because 75 million people, knowing that the tech monopolies were hard on the left, were still allowed to participate in society. Vilified, yes. Wasting their advertising dollars, <laughs> probably. Right, but, right, probably. But still allowed to participate. With that participation suddenly removed, it's not that the people go away or that they stop using the internet and pick up carrier pigeons, because I've seen some cute memes about that. I think it's that new opportunities begin to proliferate for individuals who would create a standalone system that is just as big and robust as the current tech oligarchy, only run by people of faith, people on the on the political right, etc. I agree with that, but I, what I also think is really interesting is you know the, the experiment that we're seeing. I call it secular puritanism in our culture today, uh, cancel culture. These things, you know, the big the big argument is if you drive God out of your culture, um, can morality still exist? And of course, we said without God, without a higher, without a, the truth that God holds all of us accountable to, there is no objective truth for anyone to be held accountable to. And our secular Puritans have said, no, we'll still do the right thing. Well, now that you see the power that they've amassed, and, and you know, here they are, Google says they've got access to all the truth you've ever had access to, and look what they're starting to do. They're silencing average Americans. They're actually dictating how you will think. They're editing what you will hear. Well, that's never the way of truth. Truth always actually uh, honors itself. It always, it, it eventually, it finally becomes something that everyone goes, yeah, that's the truth, <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's self-authenticating. And so there's that sense right now where these guys actually do think they can manipulate the truth because they really don't believe there is anything called truth. Well, this is what you're going to start to see, and this is how they're going to treat average people, law-abiding citizens. This is what they're going to do to you. And I think that's what left-wing people and right-wing people should be against. We should be like, look, let's, let's learn how to respect each other and, and disagree and understand why we disagree but let's do it because we really do care about each other. And that used to be kind of the mantra of the public square, not when these guys are in control. Well, we know what happens. We've seen other times in history where sometimes the the evil persists and it's strong mm-hmm. and there's just nothing. People feel like almost like, oh, there's nothing we can do about it. And then the tide changes, the tide turns and Suddenly, those things are no longer true, and you see yet again another shift, another uh, new era come into play. But we know that God is not surprised; He's not mocked. He does not. Uh, he doesn't sit up and worry about what's going to happen in America. Mm-hmm. Rather, it's for us to trust Him and make something happen in America. Well, and I love you know my, what I always tell people. I said you know when you see chaos and wars and rumors of wars and all the kind of stuff, remember what Jesus says: Look up. At usually when you're that scared, you're looking down and you're trying to get under the desk. You're trying to, you know, run for your life. He said, no, 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 look up. And there's that sense where I don't know if we're at a, you know, the church 
during the Middle Ages, the church held on to culture when the culture was imploding. And the culture broke free in the Enlightenment and the Renaissance because the church valued culture. And, and again, we still do. And so I'm not sure if this is one of those turning points where there'll be another morning in America. I would love it to be because I sure want my grandkids to enjoy, you know, living here in freedom. Or if this is one of those things where it starts to kind of cascade down until we see Christ face to face. You know, Luther said, don't worry about those things. Do what you've got in front of you today and, and, and put it in the hands of God. But always with that confidence to look up, even in the middle of all this, because Christ, like you said, can't be mocked, and his word will always accomplish what he set it forth to do. It will, and um, the more we trust it, the more it's, it's already powerful. And I don't say this as if we can make God's word more powerful, but we can make it more consequential to us. Um, God's word, so the more we trust it, the more we read it, the more we consume it, the more powerful it becomes to us, the more we understand how he interacts with us and the more we will trust him to work on our behalf. He's already doing it, but the more we'll trust him to, which makes us better ambassadors for him. And I think right now what you're seeing is a confusion in our culture of what the state is supposed to do. Uh, there's even a lot of Christians who think that the, the state is a benevolencing organization. It is not. It's a coercive law and order organization. It's a temporary organization that has limited role in our life. And so even in our podcast and stuff that we're doing, we're talking about how, yeah, we don't want the state dictating all kinds of things to us. And we can see when it gets out of its lane and it causes citizens problems. Um, but that's the point. We're, we're not the ones espousing that the state should determine everything about your life. And we know that when sinful people have that kind of absolute power, it's usually bad for everybody. Bad for all of us. Yeah. This is something that is being missed. I, I, I just keep hearing people saying things like, oh, you know, they're, they're, it's going to be fine as, as soon as we can get these horrible, and then it's usually Trump supporters, stop them from, yeah. you know, and, but what they don't understand is once they're done cleaning up the Trump supporters, then they'll it's need to clean up the next group. And then and they go back start to that. Attacking each other eventually, too. You know, Stacey, I try to do the same thing. How do I communicate this? I always say that the role of government is to be the referees. And whenever I played basketball or football or any of those things, I said I used to hate it when the refs were more important than the game. You know, when, when suddenly the refs were calling fouls all the time and the game was slowed down, we're just like, just let us play, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you get to a point where when the refs start playing the game, that's usually when the game's out of whack. Well, when you have the refs determining who can even be in the game, you got a real problem. And, and that's where we are, folks. And what they don't understand is the founding fathers knew that when government power amassed in one group, uh, it, it was you as an individual cease, would cease to exist. And, you know, that's been the, the one thing our country's had compared to any other country. We have honored that. And there's been more freedom for more people than any time in history. Uh, whatever our sins might be. And so, again, to, to suddenly just start wiping out viewpoints different than your own, then you got to look at who you are. Well, we know politically who people are. The question is, will individuals, regardless of political faction, decide that our freedoms and our society, our, our actual ability to interact with each other are more important than politics. We'll see how that works out. Uh, I have to say, I've been enjoying your podcast with uh, your wife, Dr. Marie Seltz, and all of the work that you're doing at Lutheran Hour Ministries. And I'm so grateful for your time today and for the work that you're doing on behalf of the kingdom. Thank you so much, Pastor Greg. 
it's, it's great to be here and also keep up the good work. Well, thank you. I will do my best. Uh, I, I'm loving the fact that we're working together on something. It's fantastic. All right. So uh, right now we're going to say goodbye to Pastor Greg. Thank you for joining us today. And I just want to point you to a number of our other resources that we have. Uh, we are going to be doing a lot more at Family Vision. We're already doing quite a bit. You can go over and find our resources. We have uh, guides that you can download on how to talk to your kids about politics. We have blogs every week by Dr. Seltz. We have podcasts by Dr. Seltz and Dr. Seltz. They're both doctors. Uh, And we also have a lot of other fun things on our website at familyvisionmedia.org. Thank you so much for joining us today. It has been a pleasure to be with you. And uh, we will be back with you again soon. And uh, God bless.